We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, KJ Podcast, what up, my people? Favorite time of week, get in front of the microphone. 30 minutes of San Francisco 49ers analysis. Blue Wire is the sports podcasting network I launched. We have 21 podcasts all across the country. Niche podcast now about the NFL draft, offensive line play. Type in Blue Wire on Spotify or iTunes and our full lineup should come up. Actually, a ton going on in the 49ers world right now. Stadium gate, the Oakland Raiders really messed up. They don't have a home next year. They tried to throw a party at the San Francisco Giants Stadium. The Giants are like, yeah, come throw a party at our stadium. And the 49ers are like, yo, you can't do that. We still own this territory, even though we're the Silicon Valley 49ers. Lot at play there. We're going to discuss all the different avenues, what Jed York is thinking, what the Raiders should actually do. It's interesting. I mean, the offseason is really long. This has added a little bit of juice into the storylines. It's random, but it's definitely worth talking about in this franchise. We're going to get to Wes Welker. I think that's a really strong hire by Kyle Shanahan. Is he that great of a teacher? We don't know. The Texans could have probably promoted him, but we'll talk about Wes Welker's career, what he might be able to teach this offense, these receivers, and Jimmy G. There could be some Patriots types of connections here, some new plays added in the playbook. And we'll touch on some other news and notes around the team. Real quick on Blue Wire, we're up to 21 podcasts. Just launched the Draft Board Trench Warfare Saints Talk. You type in Blue Wire on Spotify or iTunes, our full lineup will come up. I think the biggest news going on right now is Spotify acquiring Gimlet and Anchor, two podcasting startups. 
they spent at least 230 million and are really doubling down in this space and think 20% of their listens in the future are going to be from things that aren't music like podcasts. So awesome to see Spotify make growth moves like this. What does that mean for Blue Wire? Nothing right now, but in the future, it sounds like Spotify is going to be creating a YouTube type of platform for podcasters. Easy to make one, easy to get ads in there. And then for however many downloads you get, you get money just the same as YouTube. So they're trying to monetize it and incentivize people. There's a lot of predictions going on right now and an exciting time to be in the industry. Please share Blue Wire with your friends, your family. Let them know what's going on grassroots effort it's going to take but i am looking at funding as was mentioned in that awful announcing profile they did yeah i'm looking to get angel round here and try and take this thing to the next level so i appreciate everyone i'm always going to mention the business we might actually start a separate blue wire podcast and document the growth of the company for those of you interested but i know you're here for san francisco 49ers analysis who would have thought a storyline early in the offseason with two crosstown rivals, the Oakland Raiders, San Francisco 49ers, who, by the way, they can't even play each other in the preseason because there's so many fan fights. And Raiders fans do not like 49ers fans. There's bad blood between the franchises, of course. Khalil Mack trade this offseason. 49ers apparently inquired, thought that they outbid the Bears. John Lynch kind of insinuated in the media. And of course, the 49ers gave him a smackdown, 34-3, Nick Mullins debut. That's the recent history. And now, as I've said, the Oakland Raiders tried to strike a deal, reports all throughout the Bay Area. They wanted to play at Oracle Park. The Giants were willing to do business with them, which tells me the Giants need money because the Giants are a bad baseball team right now and they want to talk to Bryce Harper. And that report came out today. So anyone guessing why the Giants are getting involved, they want more cash flow, positive revenue to show on their bottom line and are willing to loan out the stadium. Matt Mayoko has been doing great reporting on this. The 49ers should have been consulted on the Raiders' intentions here. It sounded like they were surprised that this was happening. Mark Davis doesn't have his shit together. Of course, the 49ers were going to allow you to play. I think reason number one to address here is that the 49ers don't want the Raiders to look cool in San Francisco. If for some reason the Raiders won nine games next year and Oracle Park is rocking, and San Francisco as a city is like kind of behind the Raiders because they're in town. It's like your little cousin who's becoming really cool and he's like hanging out with your friend group and the 49ers are like, I don't like this. I don't want them there. This, no, I, he can't come to my parties. I own San Francisco, even though I'm far away now. That's what it is. The 49ers are looking at the optics of this and looking at what, possibly could go wrong the Raiders having success in San Francisco and Jed York looking foolish for not building the stadium there self-financing it he's got all this tangled mess and bad relationships in Santa Clara Jed York has offered the Raiders to play at Levi's Stadium so you know the, the checks come to him he will finance and fund the Raiders going there and I think that's what ends up happening because Oakland is really going to lay down in the street and say we do not want you here we do not want a lame duck season. Oakland's Democratic politicians are going to rally together and make it extremely difficult. You also got to remember, too, the Warriors are debuting next season in San Francisco. It would become a logistical nightmare also adding Raiders games on Sundays in addition to the Warriors. 
the Warriors are going to pay ambulance fines. Or they, There's a lot going on there. The city tried to prevent them from doing that stadium. They finally got the deal done. Getting heavy into the Bay Area stadium logistics right now. But number one takeaway for me, the 49ers would look dumb if the Raiders had success here and they weren't in the city because football stadiums in cities is is better. It's better in Chicago that way. It's better in Philadelphia that way. The atmosphere, the fan base, the camaraderie it builds. Everyone knows the problem with Levi Stadium is everyone drives a long way to get there unless you live in San Jose. Even the people that live in like Burlingame, anyone in the East Bay, like it's not close to anyone. People want to commute. They want to go into the city, do fun things, do other stuff, than just go to the football game, see their friends and family. You've isolated yourself like Dan Snyder did with the Redskins at FedEx Field in the middle of Maryland, Landover, Maryland. I mean, Dan Snyder didn't build that stadium too. He inherited that problem, but it has not helped the franchise. So many losses on Monday Night Football, people driving home and just breaking up with the football team because the stadium experience also sucks. So a deal could still get done. The The Giants and the Raiders could approve a deal, bring it to the NFL. The 49ers would try and block the move from happening. Commissioner Goodell would take it to a vote. There's reports coming out. Mayoko is saying all 30 owners would need to ratify this move. And it seems like no one wants to piss off the 49ers. No one really wants to do a favor for Mark Davis and the Raiders. To me, this further illustrates the Raiders just have no clue what they're doing. And it shocks me that Mike Mayock took this job. He has an incompetent owner, an incompetent head coach. A lame duck season here without a stadium where it's it's really going to be hard for them to succeed. Why aren't they trying out London? Why are they not doing one season of this to see how it goes? I guess the Raiders might argue we're not doing that. That's a competitive disadvantage, but... I don't know. I I guess they're going to play at Levi Stadium. I guess they couldn't play at Cal or they couldn't play at Stanford. Feels like one of those would make sense, but you have day you have games the, the night before. Who cares if the grass is the college grass? I mean, you screwed up your brand right now. And I think the Raiders brand will be back. I think 2025 when they're up and established in Vegas and it's really fun and there's a casino inside that and a pool inside that stadium and probably a hotel attached to that stadium and you wake up and there's NFL right in your face I think they are going to get this correct but right now they look like just a a shit bag of a franchise (laughs) and I support them keeping Derek Carr too I don't think they need to start over with Kyler Murray or do something drastic at pick number four it was last year's class they could have Got Darnold or could have tried and made a move, but stick with Derek Carr. I agree with Mayock. He's a top 20 quarterback in the league. He's not a problem at this point for them. It's actually kind of sad. The Raiders are leaving here and like these types of logistical things are done. These types of rivalries will always exist, but um, they're leaving the East Bay. Jed York, he's young. He's one of the younger owners, obviously. He's going to be in power positions and probably trying to get the Bay Area Super Bowl again. I mean, there's so much politicking at play when it comes to these things. I don't miss going to Levi Stadium. I've gotten offered tickets there on game day Sundays. I'm like, dude, I don't like missing the rest of the league, and I don't like driving so far. So I think eventually you're talking 2035, maybe maybe as early as 2030, they're going to be talking about new stadium in San Francisco Maybe it's on the other end of the city. 
Kizar is too small now, you'd have to knock down a bunch of stuff there that would redo the whole neighborhood, putting an NFL stadium in the middle of the city. But the Redskins are trying to get back into D.C. Uh, and they might end up in Northern Virginia. I think Levi Stadium eventually becomes just a concert venue. And then like by 2040, they might blow that thing up as a mistake. We'll see. 49ers win Super Bowls and reach the levels that we think. Levi Stadium may stay. But, I mean, th- there's nothing to do around the stadium. There's, there's no atmosphere. It's a, it's a parking lot. It was a colossal mistake. It really was. And there was just a lot of wrong decisions being made in the middle of this decade on Jim Harbaugh and the stadium. But now we're back into the present and Kyle Shanahan's running the team. John Lynch is running the team. Last season sucked. There's been a couple bright spots. I think people should feel medium on this team. Not very encouraged. Not totally down. And they made a nice little offseason move, I think, this week, adding Wes Welker to the staff. It hasn't officially been announced. We don't know his title yet. Obviously going to be something with receivers. It could just be offensive assistant. I like him in the building. I have no clue the type of teacher Wes Welker is. But I know that, what, five or six times in his career, he had over 100 receptions. He knows the slot position well. He still knows personnel in the league. He knows tendencies, trends. He knows Bill Belichick and Tom Brady well. I'm shocked Houston let him go. They blocked an interview last year with Denver. The only reason I think they would let him go is that he's not good in front of a classroom and maybe he's just never going to be an offensive coordinator. But I like putting a lot on Wes Welker's plate, teaching him the playbook, letting him become the mini Mike McDaniels, Let's train some of these guys. Like They lost T.C. McCartney, too. I'm sure there's going to be a couple other young assistants brought in right now. Start collecting sponges. And Kyle's going to go to Jed and be like, pay them well, too. I want them happy. I want them to stay here. It's all about grooming right now and teaching this offense. This offense did not work for Sean McVay against the Patriots. Um, we'll get there. But, yeah, I mean, Wes Welker, it's like D'Amico Ryan's essentially for offense. It could become something really nice. And of course, he's going to be working closely with Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor did not have a good 2018. He had back surgery headed into the season, missed some some of the programs, missed a little bit of training camp on and off. They brought in more competition there. He had amazing chemistry in December with Jimmy Garoppolo. That first Chicago game, he was Jimmy G's guy on the game-winning drive. It was Trent Taylor third down every time. That can be reestablished. I am not ready to write off Trent Taylor, but I'm not ready to hail him from the 2017 classes. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're we're banking on him. And you've got to imagine the 49ers are drafting a receiver in the first three rounds. It would be really surprising if they didn't. They'd have to have someone targeted late that they really felt good about. Kendrick Bourne led them in receiving last year. Pierre Garcon was too hurt. Marquise Goodwin is too hurt. Why are your receivers hurt? I think that's part of the reason the strength coach, training staff, Fergie and Ray Wright were fired. Receivers are being put in positions that are, they're getting destroyed. That's a lot of the schemes that go against Kyle's offense. He's mentioned this too about zone coverage and it just being dangerous for receivers. This team went through too many injuries at wide receiver. They've got to get bigger there. They've got to get more durable. Kyle's got to recognize that. I know he loves the small guys, but... And I'm not talking about taking Nikhil Harry or one of these big guys early in the draft. 
do not use a first-round pick on a receiver. I think that would be shocking. But I guess it would be Kyle coming out and saying, hey, we traded down. We drafted a receiver. We feel like we can really outscore people with this guy, Dante, George Kittle, our O-line revamped, and we're adapting with the league right now. We're trying to outscore people. Kyle would be able to convince people to pick, but I'm still going defensive superstar. I'm still looking at Stephon Gilmore changing that Super Bowl. Aaron Donald on the way, really, without him, do the Rams make it all the way? Without him, they're, they probably have three or four less wins. So finding that valuable defensive piece, whether it's Edge or Quinn and Williams, we're not going to get huge in that discussion today because that's just going to that's gonna be the entire offseason. There's a lot at stake. I'm pretty confident that this is going to be a good offseason for the 49ers, that they're going to be a little splurgier in free agency, although you can point to Weston Richburg, Jarek McKinnon. Last year, they didn't really reap any of those rewards. Pierre Garçon, I'm not ready to call it a waste of money because I, I love Pierre as a person. I'm totally biased. You can call me out for this, but they have to have better receivers because Jimmy G could do this on his own, but you don't want him to coming off an ACL. You don't want the offense to be, wow, Jimmy G's just making all these receivers better. You want receivers open and him to just be able to throw up jump balls from time to time. I've mentioned this before. Kyle loves scheming, almost like over scheming to a point where you don't want to stress Jimmy G out. You want to have those elite athletes, get them the football, get them in space, have a a 50-yard, 55-yard jet sweep from someone, go to the house. Like you want those types of explosive plays where – and I know Kyle's always going to mix in play action. He's going to be in control of the game plan, but – at a certain point here, receiver really has to be upgraded, which brings us to kind of the the last main big talking point is Antonio Brown. There's a lot of rumors going on. I'm not going to address them, but it's domestic violence pushed. I don't know if it's his girlfriend or wife, guys. I haven't like had the time to totally delve into this. It's an open hand push with two hands. Andy Slater has been getting a lot of scoops in Miami. He was the one to kind of post things that I've – Seen here, really not good for him. And the Steelers, teams are going to use this against them in trade negotiations. And this could delay a trade till like training camp if this actually becomes a legal action. And I'm getting to the point that he's in so many headlines that I'm going to be okay if they skip out this round and try and acquire a big name in 2020 at receiver. Rebuilding a football team sometimes is that hard that he comes here, he comes to California, his head is so big that it is pushing against people. Kyle can manage egos though, and that's what I keep coming back to is that would Antonio Brown be a problem in Seattle with Pete Carroll, with other coaches? You know, maybe. With Kyle at this point, and Kyle's still under 40 years old, Kyle can talk to them as friends and less as the superior. So that's why I would be less worried, but I don't like how many negative headlines this guy is. And obviously it should have been said from the beginning, domestic violence is not acceptable. Ruben Foster is already off this team. Jed York could say, we're not bringing this guy in. I'm not going to fire you guys because I know we don't have the weapons yet, but we can't, you know, I don't see Jed going that hard into it, but um, if you're an owner right now, you have every right to veto any domestic allegation at all from being on your football team. So Steelers, they're in a tough spot. They want to get rid of this guy. 
They want to get first-round value for him. I think someone's willing to give it. Maybe not now. The receiver class is not that good, though. And we've talked about Corey Davis and just some of these guys taking forever to develop. And coaches who are picking in the middle teens need a playmaker desperately now and are willing to win now as opposed to trying to find a star player on a rookie contract. KJ Podcast, Antonio Brown looking less and less likely every day. Oh, man, I imagine him doing touchdown dances and just coming up with so many quotes and we're selling them on bluewirepods.com and the offense is high-flying. You envision the 49ers in the playoffs with Antonio Brown a lot more than you do without him. And that's why I'm for the move because I'm for making the playoffs, getting to that step any way necessary and tinkering and twe- you know tweaking the team from there. Yeah, I mean, real quick, we'll go over other notes too. Robbie Gold, there was a nice piece that came out about him. I believe it was in The Athletic that detailed his love for the city of Chicago and getting snowed in there and just getting stuck there and, and loving it. So that contract's got to get done soon is what I'm thinking. They shouldn't let this hit free agency because Robbie's heart is calling him to Chicago. And the 49ers have to remind him he's had the most fun he's had playing football and they got to give him a four-year deal and get his family out here and say, we're that committed to you. Kicker negotiations are getting real in the building, I would say. And I think Barrows reported that the sides weren't close during the senior bowl. And that tells me the 49ers want to do a two-year deal because gold is what, 37, 38? <laughs> I mean, is he Vinatieri? He's... Close to that level. So keep your eye on that. I think we could see that this weekend, early next week, Robbie Gold re-signed. And if not, if it gets to free agency, I haven't looked at the free agent kickers. I don't want to look because I'm sure it's not pretty. It's essentially like an edge rusher. It's essentially like a quarterback. If you have a good kicker, you should probably keep on to them. If they don't have the yips for multiple, multiple games in a row, you have a good one. You're going to have to live with them. They're going to lose you a game a year. They lose you two, they're on the hot seat. They lose you three, you're thinking about getting rid of them. Robbie Gold has been unreal. And I think the the conditions at Levi Stadium have helped him. It's, it's far less windy than it was at Candlestick. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about the Super Bowl big picture because it is a big deal with Sean McVay and the Rams headed into next season. They're going to run into salary cap issues. Now they're running into Mike Florio with the storyline. Are they going to swap Goff for Kirk Cousins? Are they going to be looking for a new quarterback? Todd Gurley benched. Who could have thought all this was foreseeable You know, in October that they were going to run into some serious problems? At least they got the Aaron Donald contract done. But they have a big decision to make on Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, They can't keep everyone together. And once someone realizes they're getting phased out and still on the team next season, there could be drama. They've they've melted a lot of really big personalities in that room. And they had a damn good season and made it to the Super Bowl in the second year of Sean McVay. How could I be blasting them? They're achieving a ton of success. They laid an egg in a Super Bowl, which historically has been a problem. The Bears also did that. Now, they had Rex Grossman, completely different scenario. 
There's rarely blowouts in the Super Bowl. It's normally a competitive game. I'm not going to get into all the talk of was it boring or not. It, it was boring to our standards today. I can appreciate the excellence of Bill Belichick. But I, I would rather have watched a 31-30 game. Duh. All right, let's actually quickly go into the Rams roster real quick. As my dog, Ollie, I scared him a little bit. What up, dude? This roster will have $32 million in cap room next year. They're going to let Sue go. I don't think that that was that strong of a move to bring him back. LaMarcus Joyner at safety, he made $11 million last year. They're going to have to figure that out. Roger Saffold is a free agent. Dante Fowler Jr., was that a rental to try and get him to the Super Bowl? He actually made a couple of nice plays down the stretch. I actually would not mind him on the 49ers if it was a fair deal and it wasn't a splashy one right at the beginning of free agency. Like, let the market cool, see what his value is. If you can get him on a three-year deal for $20 million or less, that'd be a great steal, I think, on Dante Fowler. You know, they have some good deals. Actually, one of the Rams' best players, Corey Littleton, will be a restricted free agent. That will be a very cheap deal for him. Um, on a one-year tender, Sam Shields they might bring back on a you know another one million dollar deal. Ethan Westbrooks is a good player for them, that could get poached. He's an unrestricted free agent, so that's twenty nineteen. Let's move to twenty twenty. Those free agents, Andrew Whitworth. First of all, he could retire. He's thirty eight now. He probably is going to retire. Michael Brockers is going to be a free agent in twenty twenty. Has him, I think, at 29 years old at that time. He's going to get a mega, mega contract, especially the Rams are really good again next season. Keep to leave. He's getting up there in age. I think he'll be gone by 2020. Marcus Peters is who they'll probably pick. But I don't know. Keep to leave is probably better than Marcus Peters if they're going on all this stuff. Then, of course, 2021, they're going to have the huge decision to make on Jared Goff. And of course, all of this right now is with $32 million in cap room. I don't know what they're actually going to do. Are they going to trade Todd Gurley? Is that part of their strategy here? Because they're also going to have Cooper Cup as a free agent too. And this is what's so hard about the salary cap era and what the Patriots are doing is absolutely mind-boggling. The Rams have a small window here and it might have already closed. This could have been the peak them reaching the Super Bowl. I don't think they're getting back next year. If I could place $100 on that right now, I would. If I could place $500, I really might. And I love the Rams and Sean McVay. I normally don't talk shit about them. History tells me when you lose a Super Bowl, it's really hard to get back. And Jared Goff isn't a top five quarterback. I do kind of like him, though. I probably would commit to him. I think I like Jared Goff more than I like Kirk Cousins. Younger, more of a leader he's going to blossom into. Kirk Cousins, a little corny. Kirk Cousins has, has shrunk in big games. That would be an interesting poll, poll question. Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins, who would you rather have the next few seasons? Kirk Cousins puts up the stats and sometimes looks amazing. And then again, it, I mean, it's McVay too. McVay has made Kirk Cousins reach his peak level and he's that good of a coach. So at the end of the day, the Rams still have Sean McVay under contract. Players are going to change. They believe in their offense. They do have Wade Phillips too. Point being is this is the 49ers rival going forward. 
Those of you who rooted for them, I hope feel really dumb because they're in a bad position right now. They're headed into the offseason with a lot of roster moves to be made. Trading Todd Gurley, not out of the question. I actually think it's going to happen. I think it will happen this offseason. I think they might be able to get a first-round pick for him too. They're going to have to do medical tests and he's going to have to pass a lot of stuff for teams to really think that this is some scheme or personnel thing. And it would be crazy if they traded Todd Gurley and he was Trent Richardson, but I, I think Todd Gurley would have success. Running backs who switch teams, someone has to do a little study on that. I know there's been some epic failures when that happens. All right, that's the KJ Podcast. We got into the 49ers stadium situation. They don't want anyone having a party at their house in San Francisco because they're embarrassed they're not in San Francisco. And Jed York is becoming a power player, and this is a power play to make. And I really don't think the Redskins would throw the Ravens a bone either. I really don't think... If you don't have your stadium figured out, you're just a bad company in the NFL. The Oakland Raiders are a bad business. And I'm shocked Mike Mayock is aligning himself with them. We talked about Wes Walker briefly. He's going to be a nice addition to the offensive staff. Let's see more Patriots concepts. Jimmy Garoppolo, Wes Walker together, scheming up plays. Kyle Shanahan saying, you know what? We should adopt that. Tom Brady at the end of a game always is on point but so is the play calling why are they always calling the right plays with Gronk down the sideline let's utilize George Kittle next year like the Patriots have utilized Gronk and I think Wes Welker can add that type of creativity into the meeting rooms yeah and we just talked about the Rams Antonio Brown briefly touched his values going down someone's gonna get desperate he won't be on the Steelers next year could be a team like Tampa Bay, someone who gets like juicy and very thirsty to acquire veterans to save a job. Just look at someone who's kind of on the hot seat, and I can see them making the move for AB as an all-in move. All right, Blue Wire, look it up. To end this podcast, we're going to throw the draft board on here. Jordan Reed just signed him. Really, really smart, up-and-coming mind who's going to be making big noise in this industry for a long time. He did a breakdown on the QBs, and we're going to start doing this at the end of our podcast here on the Blue Wire Network, pushing you to other content. Subscribe to the KJ Podcast. Give it a rating. That helps a lot. And, yeah, check out a few minutes here of Draft Board. Hopefully you enjoy this. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace. My top quarterback right now is Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. The biggest thing that worries you with Haskins is the small sample size. Since 1973, there have been 100 quarterbacks drafted in the first round. The only ones who have had a small or similar sample size to Dwayne Haskins has been Mark Sanchez, Cam Newton, and Mitchell Trubisky. A very small and illustrious group, and it's definitely been a mixed bag. Cam Newton has obviously had the most success out of all of those guys. Mitchell Trubisky still has a small sample size with it being only his second year in the league and Mark Sanchez has basically flamed out and he is now a glorified backup. So there's high variances and low variances of examples of what Dwayne Haskins could eventually turn into. Maybe he becomes a higher echelon player like a Cam Newton, or is he going to flame out like Mark Sanchez? And we won't know that 
until he gets further along into his career. And it's just all going to depend on the situation that he does end up landing in. And if you go back and watch his film, it's just a joy to watch him get better as the year goes on. And he started off decent during the beginning parts of the year, but he hit a bit of a bump in the road when he played against Penn State, Purdue, and Nebraska. Those were arguably his three worst games. But those last five games, Michigan State, Maryland, Michigan, Northwestern, Washington in the bowl game, he was just fantastic. And what you saw with him is that he wasn't very good against pressure in those Penn State, Purdue, and Nebraska games. But as he developed and he grew throughout the year, you saw him climbing the pocket. You saw him avoiding defenders. And the one thing you have to understand about Dwayne Haskins is that he is not a guy that's going to take a lot of risk. He takes a safe approach, and he is just going to take what the defense gives him. And the best thing that the Ohio State offensive coaching staff did with him is that they did not ask him to do things that he wasn't comfortable with. They ran a lot of shallow crosses, a lot of high-low reads, and that's where he is best at. He's going to take what the defense gives him. He's very rarely ever going to test the defense deep. But when those opportunities present themselves, he's going to take it. And his deep accuracy was hit or miss, but as the year went along, he was much better at it. So if he's able to land in the situation where with the offensive coaching staff that can cater to his skill set and maybe not force him to play right away, because I don't think he's going to be he's not going to be ready to play from day one, in my honest opinion. But if he can go somewhere to a situation that has an offense that really doesn't predicate themselves or revolves their offense around pushing the ball down the field so much like a Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid situation or offense that is of that sort, and if he can go somewhere like the New York Giants with Pat Shermer that runs a lot of those shallow crosses, double-crossing routes, and mesh concepts that they are universally called, just like he ran at Ohio State, I think that's going to be a fantastic situation for Dwayne Haskins. And you talk about pairing him with Odell Beckham Jr., with Saquon Barkley, with Sterling Shepard, with, with Evan Ingram. Now you're getting to a situation where you can build that offense around him. Now you have to protect him because he is not the most nimble athlete and he's not going to be able to consistently create off script or off schedule, which definitely is a huge concern with him. But if you're able to protect him, build up that offensive line around him. They did a great job last year signing Nate Solder and then drafting Will Hernandez. Now they need to fill in some other parts and just surround that offense with him to where they can move on or prepare for life without Eli Manning, whether that's next year or even in 2020, and just hand over the reins to Dwayne Haskins. But I think he he doesn't have a super high upside ceiling like we've seen with the Deshaun Watson or a Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Or I think he could be anywhere in between that Deshaun Watson to Mitchell Trubisky range. I think that's a fair assessment of him and where I comfortably feel with him as a prospect. But as of right now, he is my top-ranked quarterback on the board. Moving on to the next guy, my quarterback too currently, is Kyler Murray from Oklahoma.